Podcast. Welcome to season two of The Unapologists. Season two. We, two, 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 two. There it is. And <laughs> as of course, your hosts for this season, welcome back the sommelier of all good things in life, Christopher Polson. <laughs> if I'm the sommelier of our good things, you know what? You're my favorite vintage, Vito. Oh, thank you. I'm not the cheapest bottle, but I'll do. <laughs> Vito McKenzie on this end. Uh, Chris, can you believe it? Season two. Like I can't I, believe it. Away. I I I can't believe we had a season one. I can't believe we had an episode one. Well, it just, that's how it started. And next thing you know, we have people on. People are responding to us. We've received a lot of great feedback. And while well, we just can't thank you enough for for listening, and this this has been fun. Like it has I, like, been great. Been I is- remember uh, one of the first guests we had on after the show. He said to us, "So where can I hear this?" And both of us collectively were just like. We don't know how to make that happen. Um, get, we'll get back to you on that. <laughs> but I, I'm pumped to be here. I'm pumped. We have season two. I'm really excited for our guests this season. Uh, it's I'm I'm just I'm just blown away uh, by the, the people who have reached out to us, uh, the support we've got, and just you know people talking about how like wow yeah like. You guys are you you guys are doing PD differently and and like I say all the time we have people on the show who are smarter than us and we just steal their ideas and become well, better teachers for it. Well that's actually uh, the the secret actually motive of the show is we uh, bring people on the show that are better than us which is almost everybody and uh, we just take from them and, and you know next thing you know we look like good teachers as a result. And the more we take the closer we are to that teacher of the year award. No, that world teacher award. World Come teacher on. award. Think world higher. Teacher. Think higher. World teacher award. All right. You ready to get going, Chris? We got I'm ready. Hey, hey. Let's jump right into it. Let's jump right into it. That's Boom. it. Boom. Chris, I, I am so, so thrilled for our guest today. When we first said we should start bringing on some people to talk, so it's not just us two patting each other on the back. Which we're good I, at. Which we're great at. Uh, this was the first person that came to mind. I'm like, I got the perfect person. And and she's finally here with us. I can't think of a better person to open the show. Uh, you're just going to love this person. She's amazing. Please welcome to the show, Anne-Marie Vanest. Anne-Marie, welcome to the Unapologist podcast. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm quite humbled. Thank you. Oh, humbled. Okay. No, you shouldn't be. Let's let's read out some of her TV, <laughs> shall we? So, oh, because <laughs> you know people don't think much of themselves, so they hear their own CV being spoken back to them, right? And, and Anne Marie, like, let's just drop the bucket. Put a drop in the bucket here. <laughs> like, I mean, just a drop in the bucket. She's got this amazing story of her upbringing and her road to teaching, which I, I know she's going to tell us, and some amazing experiences in there. Uh, she has over 20 years experience. She taught dance. She started a dance program at one of the, the high schools. She's um, pretty much started cults around her, built student communities. She was a finalist for... Season a- one, we got a cult starter. <laughs> wow. uh, she's so well loved uh, nothing but good for you she was a finalist on your screen test one of the last three people to get her own talk show uh, with her own bubbling personality with the direction she wanted to take it in and did that while she was still teaching she's got so much energy she makes my five and three year old look like a <laughs> like I'm pretty sure when God was making people they're like she was like yeah you know what? This you know would be fun. Just this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Personal understanding. You know. 
She is amazing. I've had the privilege of working with her and seeing her in, in action. And, and so, Anne Marie, like, thank you for being here again. So, welcome. welcome, oh, well, welcome. You know, you you uh, brought joy to my heart when you when you called and and you you know told me about this. I thought, oh, wow. Of course, I'll, I mean, I, my standard answer is I'll do anything for Vito. You know, that's that's my standard answer. <laughs> Before we jump right into it, I have a question because there's a bit of a thread that I've been unraveling with Mr. Vito McKenzie over here. And sure. maybe you can, can maybe you can add to his dumpster fire here. Um has Vito taught with you and then left? Yes. So Vito. Okay. I just, I just, I'm seeing a theme with Vito's life. Teach with good people and leave. No, what it is is that Vito is so sought after and he's so incredibly talented. And so, um, he, he just, he, nobody can't want, he, he can't last out of school. So people will, you know, scoop him up, uh, because, and in addition to the fact that he can teach absolutely anything. So, you know, once that permanent high school position came, I knew it was that he was gone. So this has been the unapologist veto edition. <laughs> <laughs> stop, stop. This is this is about you. So uh, uh, thank you, Anne-Marie. I really appreciate it. that's that's very yeah. nice of you to say. Um, but you know, one of the things we always do with our all of our guests is we always start off by asking them their story. What what's your story? What brought you to teaching and where you are today? Oh, well, I'll try and give you the long story short version. Um, I, I, grew, I, I grew up, well, I grew up in, a, in, a, in a really amazing family. I will start off with that. Six adopted kids and a very full, rich, uh, busy life um, where my parents really tried to instill in us um, being as well-rounded as you possibly can. And so well-rounded meant doing a little bit of a lot of different things. So even though all I wanted to do was run, around a track, my parents said, no, you're going to take dance class and you're going to take voice lessons. And you're going to take piano lessons. And then you're going to go visit the sick on Sunday um, at the old folks home. And you're going to clean the church and you're going to do all these things. And so um, I, I had an opportunity to really see what communicating with diverse personalities was really like. And I didn't really have much of a choice. So on a Sunday afternoon, you know, when you're at an old folks home, you're going to go over to that table of ladies and talk to them for an hour. And the answer was, you're going to do that. Like the answer was yes, there was no choice. So the, the, re the reason I'm, I'm telling you that is because communication was pretty key. And so I always knew I could get along with a lot of different kinds of people. So in high school, I remember this one woman said to me, oh, Henry, I think you'd make a great teacher. I think, you know, a grade 13 and you're thinking about what you want to do. And I, I remember saying back to her, I just don't think that that would be challenging enough. Like I actually said that to her. <laughs> I just don't think that that would be challenging enough. And I remember the look on her face of like, uh, you know, how dare you say that? So, you know, life led me obviously, you know, track and all of that. I mean, we can chat about that at a, at a different point. But when I got to the point where I was in the States, I had um, officially retired as a Canadian track athlete and I was working for this athletic association, the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. I would have access to a lot of high schools. So I would go into the high schools and be speaking with the student athletes and the coaches. And one day I got a phone call and they said, Anne-Marie, uh, can you come to this school, talk to the grade 12s about what it would be like to, you know. Um, hold, hold on. Before we continue, you kind of glossed yeah. over some details. So you had a scholarship in the U.S. to run track, correct? Yes. So um, after grade 12 and grade 13 here at Ottawa, 
uh, I had a really a lot of great opportunities that came my way and I, I kind of said no to them. And it was a, a choice between those opportunities and taking the scholarship because running was like, that was my passion. Right. So, um, I, uh, that's a really great story actually how I got the scholarship, but we'll talk about that later. And, um, so I'm, 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 I'm running and, and that's coming to an end. But if you're asking me how I got into teaching, it was somebody asking me to come to a high school to talk about, athletics and academics and how important that is and what it was like to be a scholarship athlete and a Canadian athlete. And so I said, okay, well, who am I talking to? Oh, just a grade 12 class, one, one to two in the afternoon on a Friday. I'm like, okay, no problem. What do I bring? I'll bring some photos, maybe bring a, you know, wear one of your track suits or something low key. Okay. So I show up at the school Friday at one o'clock and I, I show up and I'm like, hi, I'm here to talk to this grade 12 class. And they're like, oh, uh, yes. So, I mean, we decided to put you in the auditorium. Out of who? Like, what do you mean the auditorium? I'm supposed to be talking to one class. And they said, well, you know, a few other teachers thought that it might, you know, who wants to teach on a Friday afternoon at one o'clock? Are you kidding me? Everybody's like, sign me up. I don't care who's talking. So, then I go to this auditorium that seats 500 kids with your tracksuit and your pictures and my tracksuit and back then it was like there's no powerpoint machine and like you know it was like i don't know like an overhead projector it just i anyways and i'm like okay so and i then i just see this podium and a microphone in on the stage and there's like 500 kids i'm like are you kidding me right now so i don't really i'm not usually a nervous person I usually have something to say and I just was dumbfounded. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I just, anyway, so I said to myself, self, here we go. So I went out on to the stage and I just said, well, I'm going to need some kind of stool because we're going to have to like take this from being a formal situation to informal. And I, they brought me out a stool and I sat down and one thing led to another and five minutes passed and 10 minutes passed and 30 and 40. And then after it's like an hour and it went, went by like that. And, you know, kids coming up afterwards and talking and I, I just, and it was the weirdest, it was that moment after that auditorium was done, everybody left. Um, and I sat there for a second. And at that moment, I knew when I left that school, what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And that was to teach. Wow. Wow. So there's, there's a few things I want to mind from, from that story right there. One of the things is you already had a mastery of how to use a stage. Uh, there's a thing in magic is you, you own the stage. You came into a situation completely changed and you said, um, I'm just going to make this work. So give me a stool and I'm going to informalize it. And you made that your stage after that. That, that yeah. is amazing. A lot of people would freeze up and I, I'm just thinking about your background. You're growing up. Like you just went with it. That's incredible. I, I, I think at that moment I channeled, I wasn't prepared for that. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, that's not what I signed up for, but what are you to do? You're not going to say no. And I think at that moment, I also went back to an opportunity right before I left to go to the, to the States where a girlfriend of mine dared me. She's like, Anne Marie, there's like this little competition in Ottawa. It's called Miss Ottawa. I'll give you a hundred bucks if you, if you, if you try out. And I'm like, They'll give me a hundred dollars to sign up for this like beauty pageant thing. Okay. I'll do it. I did. And one thing leads to another and I make the top 10 and I make the top three. And then I find out you could win like major prizes, like thousands of dollars and like a car and a modeling car. I'm thinking, okay, I'm in. So, uh, you know, there were three major competitions in the top three of us that competed and it was like swimsuit. And I'm like, okay, I run track. We run around in like, you know, bodysuits. I can do that. 
evening gown. I'll just head over to Value Village or like like some kind of Goodwill store. I bought some red dress for 10 bucks and like glue gun some like sparkles on it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I got that. And I mean, clearly it was not, okay, Anne-Marie, you're the most beautiful girl at all because these girls were like perfect. And I'm like, but I'm doing this for a dare and I'm getting a hundred dollars, but now I actually could like maybe win. So this is like, like, this is comp- like competition time. And then came the, the, um, the interview competition. And so at that moment, I kind of changed things up where the gentleman came over and he had the microphone and he asked me the question. I was supposed to stand there and answer. And I actually just went over to him and I said, may I? And he's like, may I? And I, I actually asked to take the microphone from him. And I just took the microphone and I walked to the middle of the stage at the bottom where the judges were. And I just spoke to them from the heart. And, and they're like, why should we pick you? And why should you win? And I just talked from the heart. I spoke about athletics and how every student, every child should have the ability to try out for a sport. And some people can't afford the hockey registration fees, which are like half a mortgage. And there needs to be something we need to do better because athletics has given me my life and everybody has a shot. Everybody should have a chance. So. I won. I didn't win because I was the prettiest. I didn't win because I had the nicest evening gown. I won because I took that microphone and I went to talk to those judges, like face on, like, you know, very close to the the people probably were looking at me going, what is she doing? But I was just authentic. And so that moment and the moment of when I said I needed a a stool, I'm just going to talk to these kids. It's the same feeling, which is, all right, what you see is what you get. And if it works and I win, great. And if it works and I let this hour go by and people don't take me off the stage with a cane, then that's good too. And there was one of the surprises of the night, Miss Ottawa as well. I was holding that back. I was like, I'm going to see if she mentions it because um, I'm not sure if she wanted to go there. But th- yeah, that like that that story right there. Also, one thing that you're you're kind of blushing, you're kind of glossing over about, but her time and track, uh, you did run with a, a, a young athlete named Shaquille O'Neal, did you not? <laughs> well, so Shaq, oh God, love Shaq. What a, what a great man. Um, Shaquille and I uh, have uh, have a unique friendship. Um, I met Shaquille, actually, I met Shaquille in my psychology class. So I had okay. no clue. And the only reason I bring it up is because you still bring him into your classroom today. <laughs> funny enough one of my students the other day uh was like miss like i found something on twitter or, or whatever and i'm like what is this and there's a picture of i think i sent it to you of, of Shaq and myself and and um i think it's um odell beckham jr's dad odell and we're all like in this area of like lsu because um obj's mom ran with me so we're all like in this photo and i'm saying to this kid like, where did you get this? And the kid's like, well, you know, I did some research, you know, kids, they'll like, they'll like find you. So <laughs> kids find out these little things. But anyways, all that to be said, I didn't know who Shaq was. I'm a little Canadian girl. I have no clue. I just know he's very large. That's all I know. And I get to school and I don't know who he is. I don't know who anybody is. And so I'm in psychology and he's two rows down or two seats down, sorry. And he starts talking to me and I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're in an exam right now. Like, I don't even know what's happening, but like, this is an exam. I'm thinking, and he just like, I don't know what he was trying to talk about, but I was like mortified. I'm like, oh my God. So I didn't talk to him and I don't know what he was trying to say. So afterwards we walked out and I was like, he's like, well, like, I don't know what he was saying. He was just trying to have a conversation. I was like, dude, like we're in an exam. And then he's like, he said one thing to me. He goes, you're not from here. Are you? And I'm like, no, no, I'm from Canada. Anyways, it ended up that, 
Shaq and I had the same academic coach. And so as a scholarship athlete, you had to go train. I would train, he would do basketball, do track. And then at night we had to convene for two hours with the same academic coach. And so we ended up being in study hall with our academic coach um, during our time at LSU. That's so, everything you just said is so cool. Like from L, like LSU, first of all, LSU. And then, and then oh yeah, and OBJ's mom, dad, me and Jay, like what? That's amazing. You know what? But I mean, I think, to be honest with you, when I think about um, that back then, and I think I fast forward now, obviously Shaquille's a very busy man. I mean, he's, he's a kind hearted person. He called my son, the first phone call he got when he was, when he turned, um, 19 was from Shaq and he said, Hey, you know, what's up boy, you know, happy birthday. And it, you know, something really small, but like huge for, you yeah, know, a young yeah. man. Uh, he's a great, he's a great person. So, you know, to me, I knew him when he was nobody. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, what's kind of, what's kind of special about it. So I, I laugh because these kids find things. <laughs> like I'm like, Oh my God, what I'm looking at this picture. going, What am I wearing? That is like all wrong. <laughs> like, don't anybody. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh man. Well, we're not even out of your, your story yet. So like, you, like this is incredible. So all this crazy, amazing life experiences, and then you finally get into to the, to the, to the classroom and, mm-hmm. and, and it just goes from there. Um, wow. So let, let's, you know, let's, let's dive in now. Let's, let's, let's really get into it. So let's, let's start with the obvious. Can we start with the obvious here? We, of course we can. You're, you are a black teacher in a very suburban school. Okay. It's a very suburban school. We can figure out what that means. Right. Um, right. What has that experience been like and how has it changed over the years or, or has it even changed at all? Well, as I told my principal this summer, when, when we had a conversation after, uh, the you know the tragedy of George Floyd. Uh, the the one word that I used was exhausted. It's exhausting. So um, I've been at I, t- I taught at Trinity for a little while, and then when All Saints opened up, I was blessed enough to to be able to go over and and be there when the school opened up. So I've been there since the date opened, and I've always only been the the sole black high school teacher. There is uh, there's been one other uh, grade seven and eight black uh, black teacher. But that's it. And so there's been a a desire for me to to fix this for 18 years. And I finally think that we your question is, is it getting better? We are just like getting out of the blocks. So I'm in the blocks on your marks, get set. I've taken my first step before I have to take eight to get over the first hurdle. So I'm out of the blocks. That's, that's lovely. That's lovely imagery from your past. Thank you. Yeah, that's how I feel. And so, you know, it's, um, it's very sad. It's, it's heartbreaking, but we have to do better. And so there have been a lot of things that have happened, but, but basically only within the last year. So it's been a quest of mine to do things for the past 18 years, i.e., you know, have a black, um, you know, history month assembly. And we finally got to do one, but it took me 18 years. Which, when you consider, you know, I've been at some of the what we call engagement schools, inner city schools. the the uh, The very thought of not even acknowledging a Black History Month is wild. Like you, you would never get away with that, uh, based on that demographic as well. Now, what about the student population as well? Like, I'm assuming that as you know, 
neighborhoods and, and cities grow and diversify, mm-hmm. you're, you're starting to see more, you know, black students in the school who can be like, oh, thank God there's a black teacher there. Like, have you seen more Absolutely. of that? Absolutely. We, we're, we're, we're getting there for sure. I, I, no doubt back 18 years ago, there, you know, there wasn't a lot of black kids, but that's not a reason to not celebrate Black History Month. And so now that there is, um, you know, we have to do better. So last year, and doing that, and then and literally having the first, you know, photo of our black students, which was, which was also a very difficult thing to get because when you're trying to make an announcement to say, it's Black History Month, we're going to take a photo. I'd like all the black students to come downstairs at ten o'clock to take this photo. People are like petrified of actually even making that announcement because we're using the word black. You know, we can say indigenous, and we can say, you know, Chinese, and we can say, you know, but when it comes to black, it's people are are afraid of that word. So, you know, we plowed through it and we did our first Black History Month assembly and our first photo. And it was amazing. Um, I think 87 kids, you know, Vito, you were instrumental in all of that, you know, getting the grade seven and eight kids to come and say, this is important, but it shouldn't have taken that long. And so now we fast forward and we have the Black Student Forum, which has been established by our board. I'm very optimistic about what that's going to do. We have uh, a program now where we're trying to have some mentors. I'll be a mentor to up and coming uh, teachers of color, hoping that we do change things at the board level because we have to do better. We have to hire black teachers. I can't have it on my shoulders. So as I told the head administration from the board, I will not retire. I got about nine more years left and I will not retire until somebody is there to replace me. Wow. And and you're right. Like it's a very, when you think about the struggle for 18 years just to get an assembly that that just yeah, getting out I of the box like i i more than just a, a prayer you know to say you know kind of something about you know a black inventor or something over the announcements we, we need way more than that and and now i'm happy we did everything last year because if we didn't it would be oh well we're just doing that because george died you know, it would be the excuse that, okay, now we have to. So I'm happy that we did it last year where people know the importance before, you know, the tragedy of, of, of George Floyd dying, you know, where everybody had to react to say, okay, what are we going to do about anti-Black racism? And we have to do something about it. Right. Because this this should have been established years ago. And of course, uh, thank you for, for putting up that fight. And I, I know when I got to the school, I, I I was like, yeah, this, this is important. We we need this to happen. Like I was uh, happy to advocate uh, on your behalf for that, for sure. Um, now uh, there's a lot to talk about and we could probably sit here all night on this, on this one particular um, facet of your life and your teaching career. Uh, but let's, let's give something practical to our, to our listeners right now in regards to this, because I, there's so many other things I want to talk about your teaching practice that are like incredible. And so let's say I'm a white person and, and I want to do better for my <clears throat> students and be more than just words, right? Mm-hmm. What can I do tomorrow or even at the start of the next semester to, well, I... that will actually mean something to them, like, especially my black students. Sure. Um, You know, ironically, that's the three days of professional development that every school uh, in the province had to do before schools opened up. The the anti-racism training that that was mandated, you know, I was asked to say, well, what can we do? You know, what can you contribute to this? And I said, okay, well, you know, I can give a, a, a bit of a snapshot as to what teachers can do, because teachers are about practical things. Okay. 
having a professional development day um, before they even have their schedule, before they even know what's going on, it's going to go in one ear and out the other. So I said, let me take half an hour of saying, what can you practice, you know, do that's uh, doable and feasible for everybody. So these are some of the things I, I came up with. I said, you know, obviously the black students that are coming into school in lieu of what's just happened in the world are going to be very sensitive. They're going to be having all kinds of feelings that for the most part they know aren't addressed and, and people don't know how to address them. So they just don't at all. So I gave them things like this. I said, you know what, you know, look at your stat, your, your class list, take a look at them. We have photos of our students, that black student, that student that's from, you know, Nigeria, wherever it is, learn to say their name properly. You know, whether it's, you know, Takutwa or Chikambi, you know, something that's so small that when you're calling out their name on the first day and you've nailed their name, they're going to be like, wait a minute, whoa, like that never happens. Like, that's amazing. Something so small, you know, Black History Month, our school would everybody would run around in February going, oh, my gosh, I need a poster. I need to do something. Why are you putting it up in February? It should be up in September. And it should be up where it's it's not just because it's February. It's because this is important and this is what I uh, what I believe in. And again, that black kid that's sitting in the class is like, wow, I walk into that class, in, you know, first day of school or the next quadrimester, and I know my teacher supports that. You know, something so small but can go so big. When you're you know when you're giving thinking about films and and examples and and clips on whether it's YouTube or whatever you're using as a as another teachable have it with black content, have it with black actors, have it with, you know, where again, that black kid that's sitting there is thinking, wow, this is amazing. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not used to having that. So, you know, small, tiny things that I have found have gone a long way. And I gave my staff this example where there was a gentleman that worked at Staples in Canada and his name was Chikamboy. And I had his little name tag on it. And I was getting Black Lives Matter posters printed off for our staff in uh, in August, uh, you know, just because I thought it was important. And so when I went up, to, I said, oh, uh, I said, uh, hi, how are you? Can I get this done? And I said, thank you, Chikambe. And his eyes just went bing and he just lit up and he said, I've been working here for three and a half years and nobody has ever said my name right. So then I went back and told my staff that and actually had them practice say his name. And then they, because All Saints is right around the corner from, from Staples, went in and some of them proudly were like, oh, hi, so uh, Chikambe. And, and they said his name and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and so they told him, well, actually, you know that teacher that came in and got the whatever? So something that small, and I saw him maybe a, back at the end of September, October, and he said to me, you have had no idea how much that meant. I've been in this country for, I think he said two years and have people give honor to my name. He was going to uh, minimize it to like Chuck or something just so people could get, could get it. And then he said, no, I'm not going to do that. So I explained that story where if this is a grown man, like 30 plus that was feeling that great about somebody saying his name. I mean, imagine that 15 year old or that 12 year old kid, you know, that, that feels the honor of somebody saying, you know, I, I, you know, we need to do better and not just in grade 12 when they're graduating, we have to learn how to say their name properly before they go across the stage. We need to do it all the way up. So I don't know. Those are just a few things that I remember telling my staff. I think there's a lot of power in, in what you said there. There's so much power in, uh, in names. You know, I live in a very uh, diverse community and that's something that I always, um, 
you know, when you run into a young person and, and I find so often as the authority figure in the classroom, the teacher, I find a lot of young people aren't, um, if a teacher doesn't say their name correctly, so often they're okay to just be like, okay, that's what they're going to call me because I don't want to tell the teacher otherwise. So I think there's so much power, what you're talking about in just saying that name correctly, because so often, and it's a respect towards the teacher thing that you're not going to be corrected. So, and I I told the staff, I said, and if you don't know, because you don't know, and you you just need to ask and, and it doesn't have to be in front of the class. It could be, you know, so when, when, when Jacumbi was, was telling everybody about his name, he actually told me, he said, well, I, I, I know a, a teacher at school said, well, he actually made me do it out like phonetically, like I like to, to get her to get it proper. And, and she was like, I'm glad he did that because otherwise I wouldn't have got it. So, you know, it's, it's learning process. It's learning process, right? Yeah. And, and taking an interest, you know, some of the staff members, um, well, and this is another big one. Um, I explained to my staff that we have Black History Month. We have to use the word black. We have to say it. And so many staff were like, we can't really say that word, can we? And I'm like, so I told the example of our, our office administrator. She's retired. Love this woman. And she was in the office and she was saying, I was walking through and she said, um, yes, yeah, so, so she's talking to the person going upstairs to the library, the supply teacher. And she's like, yeah, the supply teacher, uh, her name is um, Christine. She's got a polka dot shirt on. And, she's and she like whispered it. I'm like, and, I, and I'm standing right at the office and I'm like, let's say her name was, you know, Julie. I said, Julie, why are you whispering? She's like, I don't know. I just didn't know. I'm like, but she is black. Like what? Hi, the black woman that's coming upstairs. And so she's like, it's okay to say that. I'm like, yeah, she's black. It's not like, like she couldn't even believe she was allowed. So, so then she's like, okay. So then the next day I walk through the office and she's like, Henry, I said it. I said black. Like she was, <laughs> and she was, so other teachers came up and said, wow, Henry, I didn't like, I needed your permission. Another teacher's like, Henry, every time I describe you, I'm like, can you go see Miss Vanessa? She like has like the sparkle wall. She's kind of like loud. She like, you know, her hair. And then the kids will go, you mean the black teacher? And then she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. That one. <laughs> she'll, use, she'll use the word black as like the last thing. And she's like, I just don't want to be rude. I'm like, but, but I am black. And, and so my point I'm trying to make is students appreciate that. So another teacher, I'll call her out. I don't think she'll mind. Stacey Lance. When I was trying to get this Black History Month photo taken, there were some of the grade 12s that had had spare and didn't hear the announcement. So I'm upstairs running around with my head cut off going, I need to find the Black kids. I got to go. And so Stacey's knocking on doors and she's actually saying, okay, uh, I need uh, any of the Black kids in here. And she was, she owned it. And some of the, one girl came out and said, thank you. Because she just was so amazed that a teacher came and was looking for some of the black students for this photo. But the fact that the teacher said it, owned it, and, you know, she said the first time I said it, she's like, I was like a little nervous, like, am I going to get fired because I said that? But then when she hears a kid say, wow, that was refreshing. There we go, folks. There you go. <laughs> the, you can say my black students and that black teacher. It's 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 fine. It yeah. as long as you also use their name as well and learn that. And and let me tell you, you can even go on YouTube now and look up pronunciations of names because you got a like a quite a diverse name list on our class list now. It, it means so much. It means so much. So thank you. Um, 
Let's jump into something else. And that's your incredible ability to build community in your classroom. Like you walk in your classroom, it's not just, this is Miss Vanessa's classroom. This is like, this is, this is our classroom community. And you mean that and you own it and the students own it and they love you for it. And like, I've, I've seen them like, literally, like you could probably start cults, uh, the Miss Vanessa cult. <laughs> and we'll talk about that next, but uh, how do you start that? Like, wh- where does that even come from? And, and how, do you build that? how do you build that? Well, if I was sitting here, if I was sitting here talking to a, a teacher's college, you know, candidate that was in teacher's college, that was like, how do I do this? You know, the first thing you have to be is you have to be authentic, right? Kids can sniff a mile away whether or not you are authentic and whether or not you're trying to be something, somebody that you're not. So the first thing is, I'm just me. Um, I think the second thing is, is that I always say this, you know, a teacher is, is getting their confidence and their comfort level. And it's about a trust, right? Students have to trust you. And I think that that is one of the critical things is that if, if a student doesn't trust you, they're not going to express themselves and they're not going to give you what you want. So that you've got to establish that trust. So how do you do that? You do that by creating a safe environment. And by creating a safe environment, I mean, I, I, I talk about, yes, you know, physically we have our, you know, safe schools and we have our practice lockdowns and all of that. But how else do you make your student feel safe by knowing you know, there's going to be no making fun of each other. There's no bullying. On my wall, you'll see a big sign. Well, it's the big letters cut out. And they say, you matter. Because I really think that a lot of kids don't see their, their worth. Uh, I explained to them on the first day, you know, a teacher cannot help if they don't know. And what I mean by that is I don't expect you to tell me all the intricacies about what's happening at home in your life and your private life. I'm not saying that, but how can I help you if I don't know? So, so for example, you know, I tell the story of how, when I first taught dance, there was this boy in his class, in my class, let's say his name was John and John didn't show up for like a week and a half. And there was a big dance number and I'm getting upset and the girls are mad because he's not in and he's supposed to be lifting them. And it's really a problem. And, so I call and, and and John answers the phone. I'm like, um, hi, is Mr. And it's John. I'm like, John, what are you, what are you doing at home? Well, I had, I had to stay home because I, I had to take care of my sister. And I said, okay, but you've been gone for a week and a bit. Like, where's your dad? And he said, well, my dad's at work. And I said, okay, so where's your mom? And he said, she's dead. Um, do I even breathe? Nobody told me his mother had died seven months earlier. I have no clue. I'm calling to Rima mad because he's not a dance rehearsal and he's home taking care of his, um, of his, of his sister. So for me, when I tell that story, you know, life happens and, 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 and my religion, civics, uh, careers class is, is not more important than life. And so if something's going on, you got to let me know something because a teacher cannot help if they don't know. So maybe you want to share, well, I'm at mom's house this week and dad's the next week and she doesn't have a printer, but he doesn't have the printer. Or you want to just say, you know what, miss, just want you to know, I'm just had a bad day today, going through a bit of a rough time. Um, no disrespect, but, and when you tell me that, I'm not going to be asking you to read out loud. I'm not going to be asking you questions because I know there's something going on. So all that to be said, I start with building a trust level that the kids know. I think she actually cares about me. 
you know, I always say, if I'm on, I don't care if you like me, that's not my job. My job is to teach you. But if we can find some joy and, and laughter along the way, then that's great. But I have to be accountable to the integrity of my job, which is I'm here to teach you. And if you skip my class, I'm going to find you. Okay, I'm going to find you. I'm going to find out why. Because you actually matter. And if I don't do that, then you know I don't care which, what kind of feeling is that. So when you create the trust and you let the, and then you try and build their confidence. That's the next thing. You find something out about this kid. You know, if the kid isn't doing well, when it comes to something, you find a way, how can I get that kid to, to speak out loud in class, to put their hand up? I always make them chant stupid things all the time. Smart kids ask questions. Smart kids do, not the ones that, you know, so I kind of do things in a way that can maybe trick them. And by the end, it seems to be working pretty well because the kids seem to grow and their confidence level and their ability to communicate. And that's the other thing I do. I'm always making kids, you know, read out loud, oral presentations, not presentations all, all the time. We might start off with a group presentation, but I best, you know, better believe by the end of the semester, you're doing it alone. Uh, we do choral reading. I make them all stand up and we, we read out loud where sometimes just hearing your own voice might give you the confidence to say, oh, Miss Vanessa wants someone to read. I'll do it. So I don't know. There's a few ideas. Does that make any sense? Well, what I really like about what you're talking about, it boils down to kind of there's a two-tiered system here. It's building trust and then building confidence. But really what I see that as unlocking risk levels, because I think there's a massive risk that young people take when they um when they're when they're authentic themselves in a classroom setting because they're essentially putting it out on the table to the person that's going to issue them a number that is going to determine their worth in that particular course. So there's a huge risk barrier uh, that's associated with just being a student in a classroom. And I think some of the things that you talk about are things that break those barriers down, like building and trust. It's not about just we're in a safe school. We know what to do if there's a fire, you know, building, building a safety net that is more than just physical safety that, that goes to the very core and the very being the soul and the spirit of the person. And then once that, that, that first breaks down that one risk barrier of, okay, I might say something, but then after you take those bricks and you build up the confidence, then it's, I'm going to say what I really think. And it's not going to matter if what I really think is worth 20% or 120% because it's what I really think. And then as the teacher, you know, okay, now I know where I can work because I've unlocked the risk barriers. And Absolutely. I love, I just love what you were saying about that. Well, and, and I find that when I say to kids, particularly in my civics class, when we're talking about things that might be a little controversial or, or, you know, think outside the box, I always say, you know, answer the, the questions I give you authentically. Be proud of what it is that your opinion is. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And you and I might disagree and I might have to give you a Catholic context of something because I do teach in a Catholic school, but it's okay to give me your opinion, even if it's different. And so when they see, wow, I can actually say something that's completely outside of what I think would be okay to say, there's, there's power in that, that you have an opinion. And my job is to say, okay, let me listen. Let me be respectful. Let me also give you another way to look at that. But they know it's safe to say your opinion. And I think that that's what we need to establish with these young people is, is being able to say, I got an opinion. It might be different, but how do I express that where it's appropriate? 
And if we only expect them to say what we want, which is nine times out of 10, what I remember writing my papers, oh, that person likes this. So I'm just going to write that in my paper. So I'll get a good mark. What kind of, you know, what kind of, what are we teaching? You know, so. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. Well, and that, that care factor is essential too. Um, in Alberta right now, we're, uh, we're in offsite learning again. Um, and, and every single class I start with, Hey, we're not doing anything just yet. How are you doing? Really? Because it's about genuinely actually caring. Uh, I'll turn it to you now, Vito. Well, no, I was just going to comment that we, we're, it's, this is moving from compliance to critical thinking, right? What are we doing in schools? Getting students to think. You got it. So uh, to, to build on this community thing, now you, you've been in the paper many, many times uh, for many <laughs> initiatives that you've, you've pulled off. Let's talk about a few of them here. Uh, sure. let's, let's talk about the Work It initiative and then the Jesus Loves Me, You Matter because that, <laughs> okay. that plays Because I was part of one of them. You were uh, part of one of them. You certainly were. But, but let's um, talk about Work It. What, what okay. was that all about? So we called it Work It Wednesday. And so I was teaching my career section of... Um, you know, the course, and we were talking about how you dress and how you have to dress for success. And, you know, why do people wear the most beautiful dresses on their wedding? Because they want to feel a certain way. And when you're feeling uh, dressed a certain way, it brings out a feeling, you know, when it's a spirit week and we have a uh, pajama day, I am so, I am not productive at all at work. I feel like sleeping. I'm like, something get the, because of how I'm dressed. And so having said that, we, my, my, my students, we thought, you know, I said, it'd be really nice if we could get to the point where kids actually cared about what they looked like. It was kind of like this time where kids would kind of roll out of bed and, you know, have some cereal and whatever they had on in bed, they just kind of roll out and then come to school. And this, the whole, the hair look was like the bun that was like thrown up and just, just, it's almost like the worse you looked, the better you looked. And I thought, how do you even feel productive in that? So we just came up with this, this initiative, Work It Wednesday. And so for the entire spring, every Wednesday, kids dressed up. And if you dressed up, then you got a ticket. And that ticket put you into a draw to be able to win um, a $200 gift card to Bayshore. So at first I thought, I don't know, are, are kids going to play buy into this? It went nuts. So every Wednesday, kids would dress up, shirts, ties, especially the grade sevens days. They were super cute. Then they'd line up at my door to get this ticket. My principal, Bill Walsh at the time, he was totally on board. Matter of fact, it was like, I'm like, hi, I kind of need $400 because I need like to have prizes for seven and eight in high school. <laughs> and so to see these kids and, and the reason why I did it was because the first day we did it, it was just a, a test. And this girl came up to me and she said this. Um, miss, you know, I really like this day, just this grade nine girl. And she says, well, you know, as you can see, I'm fat. And I'm like, did she actually just say that? Because I'm like, I, what do you say back to that? And she goes, I, I, I'm fat. And so I, I never get it. I'm already getting attention because I'm fat. And I'm like, oh, honey, don't say that, you know? And she's like, but I am. And she said, so I never get to dress up because if you dress up in this school and you wear a skirt, people automatically say like, what are you doing? Did someone die? Like I go into a funeral. Like I can't just see that you're just wearing a dress or a skirt. There's gotta be something wrong. And she said, because of work at Wednesday, for the first time in my life, I actually get to come to school and feel pretty. Wow. That's heavy. Uh, wow. heavy. And I was like, and she's like, and then her mother called me and was like, on Tuesday night, our house is filled with joy. She's like, the mother's like, I've, I've bought her like $300 worth of clothing. Uh, you got to keep this Wednesday stuff going because 
she, you know, if you wear a skirt in school, people are like, what are you doing? That's weird. But then we became, it became normal. And so every Wednesday to see kids dressed up in their, in their Sunday best was like, I'm stealing this idea. my boss. I have this big check that I, so at the, the very last day we had like hundreds of, t- you know, kids were, and every Wednesday you got a ticket. And so God love Bill Wallace. She was like, am I actually giving you $400 to get gift cards? I'm like, yeah, you actually are. And he did. It was great. And then the kids that we randomly pulled, they came up on the stage and I had these big checks and we had took a big picture and it was amazing. And, and the two kids that won, were kids that I know really appreciated getting that $200 to go and buy clothes. So it carried on for a long time and the kids just bought into it because they really believe it. So the photo I think Vito's talking about is my careers class that thought of this and they're in my room. And another thing I did was um, in that same class, I said, you know what a a headshot is? And they're like, yeah, that's what models get. I said, yeah, but you know, you don't have to be a model to have a nice headshot. Like, I mean, look at us teachers when you see our, our photos, like there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of our names have a photo beside it. Mine doesn't, but whatever. Anyways. And so I had a professional photographer come in and, and in my classroom and part of the careers course was they all got a headshot. And so lights and, you know, some kids put on makeup and shirt and tie, and they all left the course with this headshot but it was more of the headshot. And then I printed them all off and put them outside my door. And it just became this thing where these kids felt like a million bucks, but they got to blame the teacher because she's the one that's making them do it. But you could tell the day I put them up, you better believe they were having their friends walk by and be like, you know, that's me or that's me. So confidence again, right? So, so, Work at Wednesdays. Chris has already stolen it, by the way. He's already texted his boss. <laughs> you, you've you've just started a now. You've just yeah. started a now. Actually, he's showing us right now. Uh, he, he, you claiming just it as my own too. <laughs> just yeah. it, it, works, it works best but just so you know Chris, it works best in the spring because winter is just you know nobody really like spring is like great i time live in for... fort mcmurray it's okay. winter pretty much all the time okay. Okay, so they'll bring their boots in their coat yeah but if, you know We've any, adapted. any excuse kids can have to to be able like that girl said i finally for the first time in my life got to feel pretty going to school I mean, and all because it's some initiative and it, it doesn't get better than that. So it, it was worth it just for that one girl. And a national initiative that's going to happen because many people are going to steal this idea. So thank you. And, and let's, let, let's, let's go to the next one then. So Jesus loves me. You matter. Yes. Now, this when I got there and you ran this, this was actually the second time you did that. Correct? It is. But the right, first time I, we had the Jesus party, that's that you were involved in that. Yes, because I, I remember when I got to the school, I saw a lot of these kids wearing hoodies that said, Jesus loves me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's kind of neat. Okay, being chaplain here. And, and then I realized, oh, no, it's Miss Vanessa's class. We all we all wore the hoodies. And so please, please go. go. That's <laughs> okay, when I knew so, I had to meet you. So, you know, grew up in a really strong Catholic family and um, just raised with, with a strong faith. And again, I love teaching this religion course because... The Great Time Religion Course, it's um it's 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 about yes, our faith, but it's also about Christ and culture and cultures. And anyways, long story short, I just have so much fun with it. And so the kids were amazed, they're like, You really love Jesus. And I'm like, 
yeah, I love Jesus and he loves you too. And so, you know, then it would be the idea that I would tell people all the time, you know, girl, you need Jesus. Like you need, I tell my students, boy, you need Jesus. Like Like you need Jesus, you know? And so it would roll off my tongue all the time. And so I got to the point where I'm like, oh, I need a hoodie that says, you know, Jesus loves you because right now I always say this, there's beauty in every child. Except like some you gotta dig like real deep, like down with the mushrooms, you know. <laughs> so that's where it all came from. And then I just said, I'm gonna make a hoodie that says, All saints, Jesus loves me. And I said, How many guys would wear that? And because they heard me saying Jesus loves all, like the kids were like, I'd buy one, I'd buy one. I'd so I started with this little class order of like 20. And then the next semester there was like 40. And then kids that were in grade seven and eight and not and and one year I had 240 kids order this Jesus loves me hoodie. I, before the thing is over, I'll go upstairs and show it to you because you got to get a visual. And so I've worn it on the podcast a few times. Oh, you have. Okay. So kids and then kids are like, miss, when I wear this hoodie, people are so nice to me. People smile. And, you know, you just get this reaction because it's just so odd that you would have that. And then the next year we changed it up where on the back we had you matter. So Jesus loves me is on the front and on the back, you got, you know, a message that you're giving everybody, which is you matter. So because that year we had so many kids buy these hoodies and I just was so overjoyed with, with their openness to being okay with having, you know, a faith and, and being okay with, with saying that I said, well, you know, we're going to have a Jesus party and they're, you know, and I'm like, well, in order to have a Jesus party, we're going to have to have Jesus. So that's where Vito came in. And so, <laughs> so, you know, God love him. You got to show, you know, you got to, you got to see the photo in the, in the paper. And there's, you know, Vito dressed up in some cloak looking Jesus like, and he got in the paper and then staff started to buy it because, oh, this is the other reason. Cause you know, Fridays, it's a nice day to kind of wear jeans once in a while. And so it became a Jesus wear. So all these staff members bought it. And so instead of wearing like dressing up on a Friday, they're like, well, I'm just wearing like the Jesus wear, you know, the All Saints Jesus hoodie. So he's writing that down too. So, you know, it, it became this staff are wearing it, students are wearing it. And then we had this party to just celebrate um, the fact that you matter was the important part now added to the hoodie. And, you know, I'm just proud of the fact that these kids, you know, uh, were okay with it to get a grade 12, 11, 10, okay with a admitting they believe in Jesus to wearing a hoodie that says Jesus loves me. You know, I think that there's some success in that because that's not, I think what your average teenager is okay with. I, I completely agree. I, I think it's fantastic. I, I, I love the, I love the idea too, because it's, you know, it's connecting with you through your faith and then promoting theirs. You know, they, they, I, I, when the whole time you were thinking, I have a grade 12 student who, whenever I do something that she deems to be wrong, she tells me, Mr. Polson, you need some Jesus. And, and <laughs> you were telling me, uh, like, I'm thinking about what this student says to me, her religion teacher and chaplain every day. And I love it because it, yeah. you know, the joy that is the seed of this initiative takes on a life of its own. And then it, and it flourishes not in ourselves, but in our students. It does. It does. And, and then it, it, it you know, you ha- I had this one kid, this is the best one of all. I had this one kid and he's like, um, it's like, can I order one? And I was like, yeah, he goes, I mean, I don't know how my parents are going to feel. Cause like I'm Muslim, but like, I just like love this whole idea of Jesus. So like, can I get one? I'm like, uh, of course you can get one. <laughs> but like, I just thought, wow, you know, you got the Muslim student saying I want one and I'm okay with wearing it. You know, it goes back to building community. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really does. So um, it it's also the work. reason that I'm not chaplain anymore. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I did many other things wrong. Don't worry. <laughs> um, uh, you were incredible. People still talk about you to this day. They're like, oh, uh, where did you go? Because I, I would have Vito into my classroom during my careers class and my my civics, um, sorry, my careers class and then my religion class as like a guest speaker. So. You have him in the religion class to talk theology and you have him in the careers class on kind of like a caution on what not to do. No, on <laughs> that he's done with his life and he's so, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, you know, I've written books, but I don't talk about them. I have like 50,000 degrees. Oh, and by the way, I just, used to, you know, I can, I'm a professional magician. Just, just saying. So <laughs> the kids are um, really mesmerized by his story. So of yep. course I, I will miss being able to pull him into my class this year. That's for sure. Oh, you can always call me over. I have that's no problem. True, that's <laughs> Sick. But but anyway, back to back 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 to you. And there's, I think, one more point. Like I want to I want to hit on, and, and you were taught dance, and you did that for uh, to, what over ten years, and yes, and, and you were incredible. You were taking students who were dancers who weren't dancers. You're building them up to these crazy levels. You're competing. Uh, you did phenomenal work. Like you were all over the paper for that too, and then you decided to shift out of that and. Mm -hmm teach civics and careers and, <laughs> and religion which are the two courses that you know you, you got to work really hard to breathe life into them and you do it so well so i i'm just can you can you speak on that like mm -hmm. uh, your time as a dance teacher and then the pivot out to these sure, two courses sure. that most teachers would die to deflect off of them so ironically enough i i, I joan clark um who holds a special place in my heart was the principal that that hired me and and I remember being in the interview because I was supposed to be teaching, you know, geography, civics, um, religion, history, anything other than dance. And she sees at the very bottom of my resume. Uh, so this whole thing about dancers and you're you're accredited here and this and this and this. And she says, you know, Anne-Marie, um, here at Trinity, this is before our All Saints Open. We really would like to start a dance program. So I'd like to offer you a job with the dance and drama. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so of course I'm like, absolutely I'll make this work. Right. But I'm thinking I didn't go into the interview with that. And of course, in the back of my head, it's my mother ringing in my ears saying, be well-rounded, be well-rounded because the first job I get with the Ottawa Catholic school board is not in my academics, you know, courses that I thought I'd be teaching. It's in dance. So of course that started the quest and I loved it. And then when, when I'm all saints opened and we got to have a new studio, it was just super exciting to me. So my, my attitude is go big or go home. And so I took that program and I made it where my number one goal was to make students feel like a million dollars. If you're going to do a dance program, then we're going to do it with lights, camera, action. We're going to have a professional costume, our uh, makeup artist. We're going to make it where you actually feel like you're a performer. It's not this romper room. Everybody is the winner and we're just going to do it. No, we're going to do it big. So all year we we would work towards this dance extravaganza, which was this two hour show. And finally, after my 10th year of doing it, I, you know, I'd always ponder and my, my ideas were always flowing. I'd always know this is what I wanted to do. And then my last year I had 160 girls in the final dance number. I had, so you think you could have, uh, so you can think you dance Canada came, I had guest dancers. And I thought, how do I, how do I top that? I, I don't know how to, and I just thought, you know what? 
are we really doing our best when we're comfortable? Because I was comfortable. I, I, I knew how to run a dance program and it was the very best I thought it could be. And that's when I said, it's time to step down. I need another change because at the end of the day, am I growing as, as, um, as an educator when it becomes something that is easy? So um, I had an opportunity to step down. And the other reason I did is because the young lady that was going to take over for me just finished teacher's college and she was in my very first dance class I ever taught in my life. And if I didn't step down that year, when would that happen again? So to hand the baton, which is my first love, to somebody that I taught and was part of my program, like those, that, that, those were all the signs to say it's time. Wow. So I did that and I was, of course, petrified because I thought, now what am I going to do? And this woman, um, Kathy Bergall, pulled me into her, uh, into her office and she said, Anne-Marie, um, she's the same one that pulled me into the office and told me, I don't know if I showed, told you that story about how Ben was a student that wanted to take dance and he's in a wheelchair. I don't know if I told you that. that, that, that. No, you, you did not tell me that story, no. So the long and the short of it is, is this woman on uh, my final year said, Henry, I uh, got a new student for you. His name is Ben. He's going to be in your class. Um, and I'm like, great. And she's like, yeah, he's in a wheelchair. I'm like, okay, how do I, I how does that work? Like, I close the door and I'm like, what do you mean he's in a wheelchair? Like, this is a, like, how does that work? And she's like, don't worry, you'll figure it out. So long story short, how do I maintain this young man's dignity in a, you know, dance class that, you know, I've got some of these dancers that are going on to cruise ships to perform. Like it's very high level um, performance dance. And so I said, well, we're just going to have to get into Ben's world. So I called seven companies, finally found one, rented 17 wheelchairs, and my dancers got in the wheelchairs and performed a dance with Ben. So they got into his world. And so, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the audience because I thought in order to maintain his dignity, we're going to do that. We're not going to have Ben as a prop where they dance around him. And then I called CTV and they, I asked them to have Ben as um, the uh, athlete of the week and they came and they filled him. And to this day, I found out that Ben went on after he graduated and still does some kind of wheelchair dance. But the girls, when I see them now, because this was like, what, 12 years ago, 13 years ago? Um, they still talk about that moment. But this woman, Kathy Burgall, the same woman that gave me this student and said, he's in a wheelchair, figure it out. When I sat down and I said, now what am I going to do? She said, well, Emery, you're going to do civics and careers. And I thought, but everybody hates that course. And she's like, yeah, it's the number one. Like it's the highest, it's got the highest failure rate in the province. That's why I took it. That's why I said, kids, we're going to fail civics. Not with me. Kids are going to fail careers, not with me. I will find a way to make this course fun and enjoyable. And it's been my passion now between that and religion, of course. So that is, is where I'm at in terms of like now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just blown away. I'm just blown away. I feel like we just did three episodes. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, hey, but Vito. Chris. First time is, of the season. First is time, it time of the season. It's is it that the time? time of the night. Do you know what time it is, Vito? It's time for Polson points. points. We got the Polson points. Oh my goodness. We were with Anne Marie Vidas tonight. And uh wow, what a spirit, what a what a soul, what a person. I I feel like uh, I, I feel really blessed to be ha have been able to hear some of your story. Uh, like I said, like I'm literally over here uh, in stealing your ideas. <laughs> but um, 
but but the first pulse and points of the year, I have to break it down into a few categories. First of all, I think I think the first pulse and point that I really want to put out is uh, kind of like no matter what how what form it comes in, you know, have a value of your family. You know, uh, family is so important, and 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 that doesn't necessarily mean you know how I define family. You might define it differently, but value family. Um, because it's so important to have a passion in your life and linked to that is authenticity is just so key in the industry that we're in. Um, but then jumping into how we can support our black students better. We're just getting out of the blocks right now and it shouldn't have taken us this long and we have to do better. And I know, you know, I speak on behalf of Vita and I, when I say like, we will, we will because we have to. And then, you know, let's think practical, say names properly, you know, put the posters up all year, not just once a month, uh, be aware of content and small things can go such a long way. Um, and then jumping over more to just this idea of community building, build trust and let them know you care and you're going to break down the walls. And then one of the points that I just loved so much is your whole school initiative is a success, even if it just affects one kid. It's 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 an it's a success just for doing it. But then my big point, my big vibes point tonight, no matter what you teach, always maintain the dignity of your students. And no matter what you teach, go big. Love it. Vito, back to you. Never get comfortable either. Well, it has that episode flew by in an instant. I Thank know. You. Holy cow. Wow, it did. Thank you, Anne Marie, for, for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you having you on as our season opener for the Unapologist podcast. And it was. <laughs> I, I I told Chris it's totally worth it and wow wow yeah. so th th thank you again thank you oh my uh, pleasure thank you, you for having me you guys are uh, you're doing something great with this so I'm happy to be part of it in in uh, in, in a small way oh well, well let's keep it going right go big and thank you for joining us this week on the Unapologist podcast join us next week when we'll talk with great people learn new ideas and tell the story of teaching as it happens. This is Vito and Chris signing off. The Unapologist Podcast.